Agent Pursuit Business Mastery is produced by CIR Realty and presented by Kirsten Favron and Lindsay Smith. CIR Realty is the largest, most productive real estate brokerage in Alberta, Canada, and has remained independent and Canadian-owned since 1983. Learn more at agentpursuit.com. Enjoy this episode and subscribe for more great content. Welcome everybody to another episode of our CIR Business Mastery, formerly Agent Pursuit. Today we're going to be going through the 2008 Profile of Home Buyers and Sellers, which is published by the National, National Association of Realtors. Now, for CIR agents, this report is available on your virtual office, and you can find it in the bottom right-hand corner, sort of mid-right-hand corner, in the What You Need to Know section of your virtual office. Uh, if you're not a CIR agent, you can purchase this directly from the National Association of Realtors. Uh, if you're in the U.S., you can get this report for free. If you're not a NAR member or you're outside of the U.S., uh, it does cost about $200. But we, this is something that we buy every single year as a brokerage, and we just feel that this is absolutely invaluable. Now, if you're one of our Canadian viewers here, Please note that this is U.S. information, and some of you might already say, "Well, you know, why don't we find the Canadian data?" Well, the fact is that the Canadian Real Estate, Real Estate Association (CREA) doesn't post up these types of stats. Uh, the U.S. has 10 times the population, so we're going to get a lot bigger sample set. And the other thing is that the the type of purchasing patterns that people are making south of the border versus Canadians is actually very similar. We're all looking online for properties. We're all using our tablets and smartphones. We're all looking to our friends and families for referrals. Uh, the type of home purchasing decisions that we're making and the way that we hunt for properties is actually extremely similar, which is why this, this information is valid. What I have done, though, is I have skipped over any of the information about financing, things that related to certain areas of the U.S., and I've really just uh, had this information honed down to the uh, information that's most relevant uh, across the borders. So you're not going to find anything here that it's like uh, this is only specific to uh, one market. This is pretty much um, across the board. So my goal today is to give you some of the golden nuggets that I have found in this data comparing year over year as well as just in this year. So this report comes out in January every year and um, it is based off of last year's information but obviously only being six months into uh, this year is still very relevant and I hope that you have a pen and paper nearby. Uh, if you're driving and you're listening to this as a podcast then obviously you don't in which case just refer back to this or um, get a copy of the report and you're going to have all the information here. Okay, so with that said, we got so much information to go through. I don't want to waste any time. Let's jump right into it. So right now, pulled up on my screen here, and you'll see that I'm, I'm doing this within Acrobat Reader, so I'm going to be scrolling through this. Uh, I found it's the easiest way. The report is 150 pages. Uh, this is the cover, so if you know that you have the right one. There are highlights reports available online for free. Uh, that is not the one that I'm looking at today. This is the full report, full 150 pages, and we're, we're not going to go through all of them. We'll just go through some highlights here. So right now, I'm going to skip right into it. Actually, let me, just, let me just show you one piece here that this is broken down into, and I'll zoom in to show you this, specific areas. One of them is characteristics of home buyers. Another is characteristics of homes purchased, the home selling process, 
home buying and real estate professionals, financing the home purchase, home sellers and their selling experience, home selling and real estate professionals, and for sale by owners and sellers. So we're not going to cover all of these sections. We're only going to cover uh, specific ones. Okay, so right now let's jump right in. And we're gonna start on page 12 here, talking about the characteristics of home buyers. So who are the people buying homes? And I wanna draw your attention right away to exhibit 1-1 here, which is the median age of home buyers. So something that's super interesting here is that the average age of home buyers has increased. Now, so if we look down at the bottom of this, and I, and I understand that on your screen, this is a bit tough to see, and if you're listening, um, I'll, I'll state the numbers here. So in 1981, the average age of a repeat buyer was 36 years old. When you look now to 2018, that number is now 55. And if you go 10 years back, since 2003, or I guess that's uh, 15 years back, the number has increased by 10. So the average age being 45 or even 46, up till 55 right now, the average age of the home buyer has increased dramatically. So we're seeing an aging population, we're seeing buying habits change, and you need to make sure that your business is adapting over the long term to the different age demographics that are, uh, we're seeing in the marketplace. Uh, all right, let's jump to page 23 here. So exhibit 123 here, is talking about the prior living arrangements of first time and repeat buyers. So where do these people live before they bought their home? Well, 49% owned a home previously, 37% rented an apartment or a house, 6% lived with their parents, 6% um, pay, well, 6 lived with their parents and paid rent, 6% did not pay rent, and then 2% rented the home they ultimately purchased. Something that's interesting here is if you are targeting first-time buyers, don't forget about targeting rental accommodations. Or this is a, a good case for doing those, you know, are you throwing money away renting? Or uh, is there a way that you can qualify? And I really recommend partnering with mortgage brokers and mortgage professionals uh, on these types of campaigns because the first step is realizing that they actually can qualify for a home in order to purchase. So again, uh, really make sure that you are adding that into your marketing, uh, working with mortgage professionals or doing those campaigns. And don't forget to, uh, to, um, to target rental buildings. That's something that is uh, extremely important uh, if you're targeting that demographic. Um, all right, let's just scroll down a little bit now to exhibit 125. And this is the primary reason for purchasing a home from first time and repeat buyers. Now I'm just focusing on the all buyers category here. What's so interesting about this one is that this is the reasons that people move. So the top ones here, desire to own a home of my own, so that pride of home ownership, desire for a larger home, desire to be closer to family and relatives, job-related relocation moves, and it's a pretty even distribution for some of these uh, upper middle categories here. Desire for a home in a better area, change in family situation, child's divorce, things like that, retirement, and then it starts dropping off. But what's interesting about this is that when you're having a conversation with prospective clients or people, think about or be listening for change. This is a ninja concept. You're asking those forward questions and you're listening for change. Is someone thinking of 
getting a larger home? Have they had to change their family situation? Is, is their job being relocated? You know, how's things at the office? Oh, you know, we're just moving to a new location. That should trigger a thought in your head to keep in touch with this person a little bit more. Put them on your warm list. Maybe you're going to send them a thank you note. Maybe you're going to you know, comment a little bit more on their social media. And you want to position yourself because they might not know it yet, but they will be in a position to probably want to make a move here in the near future. So um, thinking about that and being in tune to the reasons people make home purchases is absolutely critical. All right. So now we're moving on to, uh, this is the characteristics, this is the type of home that they've purchased. So, um, so did they buy a new home or did they buy a pre-owned home, one that's been previously owned? So the distribution of this has been fairly steady with some blips coming in the late 80s. But if we move down to 2018, you can see that 14% of all purchases were new home inventory. Now this might be, might be changed based off of uh, different marketplaces, uh, where you're at, what city you're in. But I'm gonna tell you something, that if you are not familiar with new home inventory, or you are not educating your buyers uh, and your prospects, and I'm talking about before you get your uh, buyer broker agreement signed or you have the disclosures, you need to be educating people that you can work with new homes and you need to be in tune with how new homes work we got a lot of videos up on new homes there's obviously one in the real estate essential section called working with builders or might be in the working with buyer section but you can go in and have a look at that and understand the different value that you bring to a new home transaction the different representation that you can offer the the things to educate your clients on when they're when they're selecting their lot when they're selecting different areas but if you're not having this new home conversation you might not even um, this process you might not even hear from this prospect again because they went direct to a builder and I'm telling you as a realtor you provide a ton of value to the new home process and it's important you communicate that to clients otherwise 14% of all homes that are purchased you won't even see when we actually look deeper in the data, I believe it's about 6% of people just went direct to the builder. So there's still that 8% there that worked with the realtor, but you want to capture as much of that share as possible. So make sure you're totally familiar with working with builders and regardless of who you're talking to, your clients, make sure you bring it up that you can represent them when working with builders, when working with for sale by owners, things like that. So uh, make sure you have that conversation. Okay. Let's move over to exhibit two, three. Now this slide is showing us, and I'll zoom in just a hair on that one. This is why they purchased a new, or why they purchased a previously owned home. I went a bit, bit too big there. So why they purchased a new home, number one reason was to avoid renovations or problems with plumbing or electricity, the ability to choose custom features, amenities of new home construction, why they bought a previously owned home, they felt like there was a better price, better overall value, more charming character. There might have been a lack of inventory of new homes. There's lots in the other categories for both of these. But something that's interesting is if you are looking at these reasons and you're reading through these, does someone who is looking for a previously owned home, should they be looking at new home inventory? And you're very confident because obviously you can add value to that transaction. Or if someone is looking for a new home, 
could you educate them on purchase plus improvement mortgages or um, another way or, or certain find certain features that are previously owned in a previously owned home that would meet that criteria for the new home? Maybe a home has been fully renovated. Have you looked at a, a, a home in a more mature community that's been fully renovated so you don't have to do the work? Those are great things to uh, make sure that you're educating your clients on because you might have someone looking for a new home or looking for a previously owned home that you can educate them on the value of either, um, either of the product categories. Okay, jump forward a little bit here. We're already on page 37 of 150, so you're moving along quite well here. Exhibit 211, senior related housing by type and of home purchased and location. Now we're not gonna uh, go into uh, lo location too much here because that's one of the areas I'm not gonna go into. But if you look at all buyers over the age of 50, this is the very first line here, 13% of them purchased in a senior-related housing area. So my question to you is in your marketplace, uh, in Alberta, you know, wherever you are, are you familiar with the senior-related housing options and the variations of the options that are available in your marketplace? Is it just amenity-rich, um, where everyone's fully independent, doing their own thing? Is there some sort of uh, assisted living services that are available there? Are you familiar with that? And is that something that you want to get into? And I do recommend that you do become a bit familiar with that because you're going to open up the amount of clientele you can work with. But just note that all the buyers over the age of 50 here moved into some sort of senior related housing. So uh, super important to understand and something you probably want to educate yourself in your marketplace. We go to sex or exhibit 213 now. This is factors influencing the neighborhood choice. So again, there is this breakdown of uh, suburban, you know, subdivisions, small towns, but just focus on the all buyers category because it's probably the biggest tell. And we want to determine why people chose the neighborhood that they chose. And this is more of a, an, information, uh, an information piece but you may be able to recommend communities they didn't think of because of these options. So reading through some of these, it's you know, the quality of the neighborhood was the number one thing, convenient to the job, so obviously location-based, convenient to friends and family, design of the neighborhood, convenient to shopping, quality of the school district, convenient to schools, convenient to entertainment activities, sitting at 21%, convenient to parks, recreation facilities, Availability of larger lots or an acreage. This is interesting. Convenient to a vet slash outdoor space for pets. Uh, we're seeing buy, lots of buyers make decisions based off their pets. Convenient to house health facilities, et cetera. And the list goes down. So if you know that someone is interested in something, uh, make sure you understand some of the amenities in, in the areas that you specialize in and you know, across the city. And you can recommend maybe more areas than they originally thought that might help them live the lifestyle they want to live. That's the key with this one is they're trying to live a specific type of lifestyle. Are you helping them achieve that? And do you have enough knowledge of various communities in order to be able to direct them? Which is really interesting about this is you might say that, and I've always sort of envisioned this, you have it where someone types in the type of lifestyle they want into a computer. And then when you look at a map of, you know, I'll use Calgary as an example, um, but you know, three or four areas might um, highlight. You might be able to live the, the same lifestyle in Coral Springs as you would in Auburn Bay and uh, Sunset, you know, anything that has, or Sundance, anything that has a lake, 
uh, and a lake style community, maybe that's what you're looking for and you're looking at these various quadrants around the city or various communities that could match the same lifestyle. And maybe Mackenzie Town uh, works the same as Inglewood or works the same as all the different pieces. And again, uh, you can help recommend different areas that buyers may not have thought of if you're very knowledgeable on the various communities and the amenities they offer as well. All right. Just going to jump over to page 45 here now. And we are looking at the importance of homes, environmentally friendly features. I'm not going to spend a second on this one. All I want to let you know is when people are looking at how important, so this is um, very important is the blue, somewhat important is the, is the um, orange, and then not important at all is the green in this category. So heating and cool costs, 33% of people said that this was very important. Windows, doors, and sidings, about 30%. Energy lighting, uh, about 23%. Energy, um, energy efficient lighting, sorry. Energy efficient appliances, about 21%. And then it drops down quite a bit. Solar panels installed the home, only 3% of people said that that was important to them. Note that if the listing that you are promoting has some energy efficiencies via the heating costs, even the windows and sliding doors, that relates over to heating costs. So if the heating and cooling costs, i.e. the utility bills, are less expensive. This is a feature that actually has some teeth to it and buyers find important. So make sure you are promoting that as part of your listing promotion. Lots of people um, can look at uh, their, obviously the, the dollars it puts in their pocket and people are becoming a lot more environmentally conscious with uh, different climate change initiatives. So make sure that you are educating clients uh, on the features of this listing that you have if you do have some environmentally sound features to it. So something uh, to think about. All right, gonna jump forward three pages here to 48. Now, this one's fascinating. <clears throat> this is expected length of tenure in home purchased. So this is how long people expect to live in their home. So someone moves in on day one and someone asks them, hey, you bought this home, how long do you expect to live there? Now the reason this is so important is because this is going to determine the depth of a relationship, or it could be an influencing factor, and the depth of a relationship they expect to keep with you. So let's have a look down here. And the only number I really care about here at the bottom is this median number, which is uh, 15 years. So when people move into a house, they expect to be there for 15 years. Now first time home buyers expect to be there for 10 years, and repeat buyers, 15 years, new homes, 15 years. But it's, it's basically 15 years across the board. The reason this is so critical is because when they buy a house, they don't expect to need you for another 15 years after that. So my question to you is, what are you doing to set the expectation that you can add value to them while they live in the home that they have? Are you in a position where uh, you are offering them information on increasing their lifestyle, or is your newsletter all about statistics and uh, how to uh, you know, prep their home for selling and things like that that are related to a transaction and not related to a specific home ownership or, or you know, improving the life that they live in their home. So obviously CIR with our Best My Nest program, that's the whole reason we incorporated to improve the client's life that they live in their home. 
um, after they purchased it. But you want to set that expectation that you're going to be in touch with relevant information. And this is proof of how absolutely critical that is. So uh, don't, do not overlook this. Uh, this is the expectation. They expect to be in that home for 15 years. What are you going to do over that 15-year period to stay relevant? Um, or you can you know, certainly just, just let them go. That's an option. And then play roulette on whether or not they'll come back to you. And I'm telling you, about 12% of the time, they end up coming back, to, uh, coming back to you when it comes time to sell again. So we're going to talk about that a little bit further in the future year. All right. So that's the end of the characteristics of the homes that people purchased. We're going to jump ahead and talk about the home search process. So what was the first step that a buyer took during the home search process? Uh, number one, we, you know, and this is interesting because we think that everyone would have looked online to start their search. But in reality, only 44% of people actually did. So we're looking at... Uh, and first-time home buyers looked at this. Look at this is only 34%. We would expect that these younger people looked online first before buying a home, but that's not actually the truth. 44% uh, of the time, uh, they, the well, 34% of the time, first-time home buyers started their home search online. Uh, but 17% of the time, going through these numbers, and it's it's quite spread out here. So 44% of the time, buyers looked online to start. 17% of the time, they contacted a real estate agent first. 11% they looked for information about the home buying process. Jump over to first time home buyers, that jumps up almost double to 19% of the time. First time home buyers were looking for information, whereas repeat buyers only 7% of the time. 7% they contacted a bank or their mortgage lender. They drove by homes in the neighborhoods. They talked with some friends or family, visited open houses, and then the rest goes down quite a bit. And even visited open houses is a very first step was only 4% of the time. So what lessons can we learn from that? Well, how can you insert yourself into various areas um, of this process? How can you um, capture people a bit earlier? Obviously, looking online for properties, you can focus on listing inventory, because then people can contact you that way. You can have online ads. When we talk about contacting a real estate agent, obviously, that's going to depend on the quality of your relationships. So make sure that you are maintaining relationships for those referrals. Um, looking for information about the home buying process. Become a contributor. Um, have it where you're maybe on your website you have different resources so that you're focusing on SEO. When people Google different parts of the home buying process, you're the one that comes up. Or, and you've written an informative article on it um, and provided some information out there. Contact a bank or a mortgage lender. Do you have relationships where you can get referrals back the other way from mortgage lenders? You're not always send it out one way, you can send it back the other way. Um, talk to a friend and family, that goes back to obviously having, um, obviously uh, focusing on relationships there. And then visited open houses, are you the one that's sitting open houses? And remember, that's the first step. More buyers visit open houses throughout their process, but it's the very, very first step. Make sure you're positioning yourself to be part of that process. All right, let's continue to move on here. Exhibit 3.3, is information sources used in the home search process? So this one is pretty obvious. We know that over that overwhelming people, amount of people are using the internet as part of their search. This is great. So this is not where they found the home. This is where they looked for that. So if I were to call this your vanity personal marketing uh, direction toolkit, so you know where are you marketing yourself? 
Um, all buyers, 93%. Um, uh, they used a real estate agent. They used a uh, mobile search tablet. Make sure your website is mobile friendly. Open houses they used, uh, yard signs, online video site, home builder, print newspaper advertisement, things like that. But when we talk about um, you know, real estate agent using that, 86% of people use that as information source. Open houses, 53%. Yard sign, 46%. Online video site, 37%. So that would be something like YouTube, uh, Home Builder, 18%, and then it drops off quite a bit from there. So just know that advertising these locations, and even in the print newspaper and the advertisements, I'm not saying those are great sources. In fact, I believe you should save your money from them or a home book and magazines. We're seeing these drop off year over year. Uh, even the home book or magazine, even up to three years ago, used to be 20% of people used it as a, re uh, a resource to look for properties in whereas only 10% today are. So we're seeing this drop off dramatically. So focus your, your money in terms of uh, marketing, and we're gonna see even more of this a little bit later here uh, when, about where they found their real estate agent. Focus your money on uh, relationships and then spatter it in with uh, some online marketing. That's, that's sort of the tried, tested, and way, uh, tried, tested, and true way in 2019 that you wanna be uh, investing your dollars. So. Page 56. This is frequency of sources used. So after the home builder piece here, again, we talked about this, it's basically nothing. Print, newspaper, and advertisement, how frequently they used it? Uh, about 2% of the time. Home book magazine, 2%. So it tells a bit of a different story. And even the home builder is only 6%. Everything else above that is where um, you really want to focus, uh, focus on. Anything below that, I would virtually ignore, uh, depending on where you're at. Obviously, you can do different campaigns that are related to it, but this is, this is important. Uh, it's important to you know, not waste your money. You have, you have limited marketing resources, so make sure that you uh, advertise where you're going to get the most bang for the buck. All right, moving on to page 59 here. Now, this is interesting because their last slide was where people looked for homes. This is one of my favorite ones every single year in the NAR profile, and this is where the buyer found the home they purchased. And one of the things I love is they have this 17-year uh, time span, so you can see the change over time about where buyers actually found the home they purchased. When you go into a listing appointment, this is one of the most important charts to show people. This is on page 59. It's exhibit 3.9, where buyer found the home they purchased because sellers consistently want bigger ads in more places and this is going to show them where the results are. And if you're going to charge, you know, 15% uh, for the listing or, or, you know, 50 and 3 uh, as your listing commission, then now you can start to see where you can afford to do all these things. But the sellers want you to be efficient. They want you to save money. They don't want you to charge them an arm and a leg. They want to see value for the services they're getting. So you want to focus on advertising their home where the buyers are actually choosing the homes and finding the homes they actually purchased. So this is the slide that shows where did you get the results that you got. So looking down this, we have the um, internet, which is still reign supreme, 50%. So are you advertising their home online? Is it optimized on realtor.ca and the, the different uh, uh, website syndication places? But make sure that that's advertised online. Uh, 
finding it through real estate agent actually dropped a little bit. So 28% of the time, the realtor introduced the property to them. Yard sign, 7% of the time, through a friend or relative, home builder to their agent, directing to the sellers, and then Homebook Magazine, um, other, this is all less than 1%. So less than 2% of the time, they found it from any type of print medium. So focus your dollars online for your property marketing. Um, or even in the yard sign um, as well is, is pretty important as well. Friend, relative, or neighbor. Um, that's why we love a neighbors only open houses, things like that. So make sure you pay close, close attention um, to these stats. All right, let's jump ahead to page 64. And now we're looking at the home search process as it relates to the value of website features. So what features did buyers find the most useful? So you can see the blue here. It is uh, very useful. Yellow is, sorry, uh, orange is somewhat useful, or depending on whatever color you feel it is. Green is not useful. And the lighter blue here, they did not use or it was not available. So again, the king of website features is great photos sitting at 80%, 87% of people loved the photos, said this was one of the most useful pieces. 85% said detailed property information. Don't skimp out on putting in the schools, area amenities. Don't get lazy on your listings. Uh, I, I just can't say enough. We're pulling a bunch of website data as we're redoing our website. And the amount of listings that have limited information is a, an atrocity. You really want to make sure you have detailed information like it says in this chart. Make sure you have all the information here. Floor plans. Are you using floor plans? This is interesting too. Virtual tours came up at 46%. Um, and, and if you compare that with video, video is sitting at 25% that they found useful. So video can be a marketing tool for your business. But as for property information, um, personally, I would save your money unless you, you know, you're, you're just doing it just to impress your seller. But the virtual tours, I would spend more on a Matterport virtual tour than I would on a video. I would focus on that, save the video for your own business, um, unless you're just going to, unless it's something easy you're doing on your phone. Um, anyways, I'll let you guys kind of just let the data speak for itself here on that. Real estate agent, uh, contact information being on the site, 42%. Obviously, that's important. Uh, detailed information about recently sold properties. This is a trend that hasn't come to Canada as much yet, but we are coming into. People love seeing sold prices uh, about area comparables. So it's 41%. Neighborhood information, 39%. And then it moves on from there. So um, really, really the two kings here are photos and detailed information about the property. Um, it, it is absolutely imperative. So make sure that when you're uploading your listing, you're given as much information as absolutely possible. And don't forget about floor plans. Floor plans, better than half of people, the vast majority of people, or not vast majority, but majority of people did say floor plans were super important. So don't forget about those. All right. Um, let's move on down to satisfaction with the buying process. Now you have to distinguish, this is not satisfaction with the realtor. This is satisfaction with the buying process. So they are related a bit. 62% of people were very satisfied with the buying process. 30% were somewhat satisfied. I'm going to say that if you had a great agent that took you through and educated you on the buying process, you were probably closer to being in the 62%. Um, and then it kind of moves on from there. 
But one of the questions I would ask yourself is what are you doing to help a client have a smoother buying process? What process are you using? Are you just winging it when you're working with buyers? Or you, do you actually have a process that you use to take somebody through the buying um, the process to take them through the buying process, obviously. Uh, but what are you doing? Is it deliberate? Are you being very deliberate about the, the system that you use? And I would document that in your business, and then you can take a buyer through a step-by-step -step guide on that. And remember, um, people always say, oh, my role is to eliminate the stress from the buying process. You don't have that type of power. Um, there's always stress in the buying and selling process. You can mitigate the stress and reduce the stress, but you don't, there's too many factors outside of your control uh, to eliminate the stress completely. So don't talk about making it stress-free. Talk about being a guide and being uh, someone who is going to reduce stress. But having a solid process, being very deliberate, people value that. Okay, that's another thing that they talk about big time in Ninja is to have a process. And I love the saying that they say is most realtors are very reluctant to share their process with you. And that's because most realtors don't have a process. So there you go. Okay, we're gonna skip ahead quite a bit here to page 72. We're more than halfway there. So this is interesting, agent representation and disclosure. Now that sounds a bit boring and, and various markets and jurisdictions really differ on the requirements for disclosure. But here's interesting, was a disclosure statement signed? So in Alberta, we have our consumer relationship guide. We also have our uh, buyer brokerage agreements, exclusive or non-exclusive. And 26% of the time, it happened at the first meeting. And almost equal, it happened when the contract was written. And if you move down here uh, to 4.6, it says 40% of the time, a written agreement was used, whereas 16% of the time an oral agreement was used. Now, in Alberta, you need to have a written agreement, but it can be non-exclusive. But looking at these numbers here, I just want you to understand that I know many of you sit open houses or talk to people that are going through the buying process, maybe it's an internet lead, and they're all saying, or, or lots of people are saying, I already have an agent. Well, if they're saying that, they might not be in a committed relationship. It might be a comment that they're doing, that they're saying, in order to uh, you know, sort of keep the wolves at bay. They don't want to be attacked with a sales pitch. So I would, I'm not saying you should prospect people who are represented and have a contract right now, but I wouldn't give up right away if someone says, I'm working with somebody. A follow-up question um, I might ask is, um, oh, well, you know, I might offer them a piece of information. Have you looked at the list of solds in the neighborhood? Um, have you seen this article that we have? You know, take it, share it with your agent as well, and things like that. Are you set up on an auto search? Maybe ask them a few follow-up questions. And what you're trying to do there is you're trying to sort of beat down the wall and just figure out um, whether or not they are they're committed to this person. Uh, if they have a written service agreement, obviously you can't do anything on that. Um, that's against the, the regulations. But you just want to try to add value without asking for anything in return. Because eventually they might say, well, you know, you're right, we, we sort of aren't um, that committed. We haven't signed anything, so why don't you send me this, that, and the next thing? Um, and then by not just going for the jugular right away, closing hard for the sale, you can prove that you're there to offer value, and they may reconsider that option. So assuming, I would, I would make the assumption right away that they actually might not be working with an agent, but they don't want a hard sales pitch. So be authentic, be genuine, and then once you've earned the right, 
I believe this. I want your right. You know, um, have you signed anything with your agent? Are, are you guys working exclusively together, or are, are you able to um, look at some other options? And then you can go from there. So, um, so that's that. And if they just say, yeah, you know, we're working with them exclusively, back off, no problem. Okay, but I, I would ask more questions because it's relevant. All right. We are going to go now to 4.9, page 73 here. So this is what buyers want most from a real estate agent. So this is help finding the, the right home to purchase was obviously the number one one. Um, help buyer negotiate the terms of service is number two. And helping find the right home to purchase was 52%. So it, it trumps. It's, it's three times higher than the next closest one, which was the negotiation. Help with price and terms. Determine what comparative homes sold for. Here's the lesson to take from this one. Buyers want you to help them find the right home. Make sure that as part of your system, you have an amazing system for finding home searches, for setting people up on the search process. Make sure that you're able to find homes that are on MLS, but also not on MLS. We love it in our buy-in presentation. You'll find 10 different ways to find homes that are not on MLS in that, in that package. You'll also find five ways to save them thousands of dollars on the home purchase. But the number one thing by three times is buyers want help with the home search process. And I always tell people this in the courses, the most negative feedback we get from buyers when we look at the testimonials that come in, feedback surveys, is that buyers felt like someone set them up on a search and forgot about them. The buyer did all the work to find the properties, whereas the, the majority of the time, um, better than half, they want it where you are helping them find the right home to purchase. It's one of the most important services that people believe that you provide. Yes, negotiation is up there, but that's, people only mention that 14% of the time. So this isn't huge, this isn't rampant. The number one thing, have a compelling search process. Have a deliberate search process. Tell them you're gonna take them through a search process. And, um, and tell them all the different ways you're gonna find the properties that meet their needs. And that's gonna make people really happy and dramatically increase their satisfaction. Um, we'll stay really close here. We're gonna go down to benefits provided by the real estate agent during the home search process. So these benefits, um, just make sure that you understand that these are things that people found valuable. So help the buyer better understand the process, pointed out unnoticed features in the properties, negotiated better sales terms uh, and contract terms, obviously some negotiation there, provided better list of service providers, improved the buyer's knowledge of the search areas, you knew your area, negotiated better price, so the contact terms and price. Interesting that contract terms was put higher than price, shortened the buyer's home search process, provided a better list of mortgage lenders, expanded the home search area, narrowed the search area. These are the important benefits that people found valuable through the process. So how are you incorporating these into your process? All right, and another super important one, 412, this is another one that we look at every single year, is how did the buyer find their real estate agent? So what's interesting about this is uh, in terms of offline sources, 70% of the time, a buyer found their realtor from offline. They didn't inquire on a property. See, that's also included in here. If someone inquired on a property during realtor.ca, um, it's in there. But let's go through this list here. Referred by a friend or relative, 41% of the time. 
that's how someone found their realtor. 12%, they used the agent previously to buy or sell the home, so a repeat client. They inquired about a specific property viewed online, so they went to realtor.ca and clicked on a property or onto your website and clicked on a property and inquired. That's 7% of the time. Website without a specific reference, so just a cold website lead, 6% of the time. Referred by another real estate agent, 5% of the time. Visit an open house, 5% of the time. I added all these up, again, 70% of the time, it was offline and relationship-based. If you go down and include the other 11%, that's 81% of the time someone found a buyer through an offline method primarily based off of uh, a relationship. Maybe you had a relationship with a friend of theirs, maybe you had a relationship um, with, uh, you used them previously, their repeat client, or maybe you had a relationship with a realtor in another marketplace or something that referred you a client as well. So there's a bunch of different things here, or maybe they saw you at an open house. There's tons and tons of things, but 70% of the time is offline, so don't think this game is only online. In fact, only 6% of the time they found them online cold, um, and only 7% of the time was them inquiring off a specific property, and that's when they used their agent. All right, let's move forward onto page 76 here. This one's interesting. They're all interesting, but I'm gonna call them all interesting as I get to them, because that's the way that I roll. How many times a buyer contacted the agent before they received a response, and the original form of contact? So this is a bit backwards in my mind, but. 40% of the time, someone called them. 90% of the time, they talked to this agent in person. 14% of the time, went by email. But here's the bottom, the bottom number here of the number of times that they contacted the agent before received a response, three times. This is heinous. Um, and even if, I'm just gonna make a statement here because some people might say, oh, it's all the part-time realtors. I know lots of fantastic realtors that have other side hustles and are, are working other jobs. But I just wanna share with you that if you are, if you are one of these agents who uh, is working another system or another job or something, make sure you have a way to return messages, emails, things like that on your breaks or you're making time for this. The fact that someone needs to call somebody three times before they get a response from an agent is just agents throwing money away. And how many times did they actually go elsewhere? Usually the only reason it's three times is because they're trying to contact the listing realtor and they can't go elsewhere. At least they don't feel like they can go elsewhere. Obviously they can get their own representation. But I'm telling you, be proactive. Don't lose those clients. And those of you that are full-time but just don't um, you know, pay attention or, or are, are being a bit lazy about your contact system, make sure you improve this number. This one is um, a plague in the real estate industry. All right, 416, most important factors when choosing an agent. So this is interesting because when you look at this, it's all about you. It's all about your personal characteristics. 19%, agent is honest and trustworthy. 16%, agent's experience, reputation of agent. 16%, um, you know, agent is a friend or family member. 14%, agent's knowledge of the neighborhood. Agent is a good personality, has a good caring personality, is a good lister. Agent's timeliness of response. There's so many things here. Association with a particular firm, only 2%. 2%, that's it. Agent is active in local community volunteerism, 1% of the time. And professional designations, 1%. These are like very low on the list, but keep in mind that you can meet people in the community volunteering and build a relationship. And that's probably not the main reason they'll cho they choose you, but they're probably judging you. Does this person seem honest? Does this person seem trustworthy? 
Does this person seem like they have great experience? And my other question is, is how can you get more experience? If you're a newer agent, what can you do to up the level of experience you have? Can you, uh, you know, work in a particular community? Can you use some of your past experience? Can you do a bunch of research and say, you know, I've spent literally the last three months researching these three communities and producing these results. And now, even though you've only been in the industry for three months, you can speak to the depth of deliberate time that you focused on this, and that can dramatically increase um, the level of experience that you have. <clears throat> so, um, fantastic. Uh, but, you know, really try to uh, bolster as many of these, and don't worry about the low ones. This is all about you, and this is why CIR is our, our motto is showcasing your excellence. Uh, we want to position ourselves to be the number one you know, real estate marketing company, the most sought after real estate marketing company by getting your services out there and showcasing your excellence. We're not stepping on your brand. We don't want to do that to build our own, not like other companies that are forcing people to comply within their super tight guidelines. We know that only 2% of the time people care about that. They want you, so focus on the 98% that people do care about and let us you know, showcase your brand. And that's something that uh, we believe is so important that other companies are really missing here. All right, um, 417 here. Importance of real estate agent skills. I'm not gonna spend any too much time on this except for you can start to see uh, the importance of skills uh, that you should have. Honesty, integrity, responsiveness, um, knowledge of purchase process. This is sort of the fundamentals that you need to be a successful realtor. All right, we're going to jump ahead a little bit here. Apologize for the active scrolling. Number 20, importance of agent communications. So this is interesting because it's like, how does your clients want to be communicated with? So they want to be called. So calls personally to informative activities, 70% of people deem that as very important. Um, they send postings as soon as possible. Um, the property is listed, the price changes. So you're setting people up on auto searches. 69% of people said that's critical. Sends property info and communicates via text message. 65% of people love that. Sends emails about specific needs, 54%. So almost 50% more important than sending emails is people are calling. They love it when they get a phone call to keep them up to date. Very, very important. Um, and you can go through the rest of these. Has a website, 29%. Has a mobile site to show properties. Does your website work on mobile, 29%. Um, and then it goes down from here. Active on social media, 12%. Sends an email newsletter, 8% of people felt that was important. Advertises in newspaper, 4%. Has a blog, 1% of people felt that was important. So you definitely want to uh, pay attention to these. How are you communicating with your client and what communication methods do you provide? All right, moving on here to 422. Would the buyer use the real estate again or recommend them to others? 74% of the time, someone would definitely recommend someone and 16% they probably would, which means that 90% of the time they would say that they would probably or definitely use that realtor again. And if we go back to how many people actually use a realtor again, it's 12% of the time. So why, why is that? And I'm going to just share something that this is a combination of the fact that people, A, are not in the business anymore after 10 years. Um, so just by staying in the business and having that stick to itness, people will come back to you. And obviously the other piece of this is you didn't keep in touch between transactions. Because 90% of the time they'd say that they'd probably use you again. 
um, or 74% of the time, definitely, but only 12% of time they actually do. So what are you doing to make sure that you're the person that's available for repeat business? All right, um, moving forth on here now. Um, this is interesting as well because you have a better chance than not, this is exhibit 423, how many times the buyer recommended the agent? The average person, just the medium, will recommend you one time. That's interesting, 35% of the time, no, they won't recommend you at all, but 70% of the time, they'll recommend you one time. 19% of the time, two times, they're actually more likely to recommend you two times, three times is 11%, and four or more times, 18% of people, almost 20%, one in five basically, will recommend you more than four times. This is fascinating. This, is, this means that the, or not majority people, actually it is, the majority people will A, recommend you, and lots of people, one in five, 20%, are gonna recommend you four or more times, like, and be, the better half will recommend you more than two times. What referral system do you have to reward these people? Are you tracking the amount of referrals people give you? Vonnie Fast with Cutco and Cutco Closing Gifts has an amazing referral tracking program with that. But I'm also telling you that you need to be aware of this and you need to pay close attention and court and treat these champions of your brand like gold. The ones that are referring you a bunch of business, make sure that you're encouraging them and teaching them to do that more and more often. Absolutely uh, critical. All right, jumping way forward here now. We're on the home stretch down to number 108. This is interesting, we talked about this already, I just wanna bring it up, exhibit 619. So now we're talking about home sellers and their selling experience. This is why people chose to move. Uh, the reason for selling. So this is the home is too small, wanna move closer to family, job relocation. This is the same, very similar to the buyer side, and again, you're just talking to people, you're listening for change. Um, absolutely, um, absolutely important. Uh, moving forward on to, oh, I'm just gonna scroll on this one, sorry. I should have jumped ahead. So now we're talking about uh, the tenure in their previous home. Remember we talked about that? Um, how long was someone uh, in their previous home? So the difference on this is the first number we said, that 15 year number, that's how long people expected to be in their home. Now we're talking about how long people were actually in their homes. So when you, they, they first move, they say, hey, I'm gonna be in this home for about 15 years. Based off this number, if you look at the medium for all sellers, nine years. They expect they were actually in their home for nine years. Um, 18 to 34 was four years. Um, 35 to 44 was seven years. But overall, the average is nine years, which means that what are you doing to keep in touch over those, that nine years? The other thing that's interesting about this is that's 11% of people in a given year that move. So 11% of your database, 11% of your farm area, 11% of the, the people that you meet in your community initiatives are going to move. Are you known? Does your street, how many homes are in your street? 10, um, you know, view them as a pocket. Every nine, one in nine are gonna make a move that year. Do they know that you live on the street and they know that you're a great, do they know that you're a great realtor? So those are all important questions. All right, uh, 31, scroll forward on this. So method used to sell their home. So look at this, over time, the use of a realtor in 2001, 79% of people used a realtor. In 2018, 
91% of people used a realtor. Only 7% uh, actually went to a, uh, as for sale by owner. And this is taking you know, business models aside, but we're gonna show you an interesting stat on that in a bit here. Um, and 1% sold to a home buying company. So this is like the iBuying program, things like that, think properly in Alberta here, or um, you know, any iBuy or open door, things like that um, in the US. But uh, 2018, 91% of people uh, used a realtor. And this is actually the highest it's ever been since 1981. So those people that say realtors are going by the dinosaur, just don't know the data, okay? It's not, it, it's actually just not coming to reality. We might hear more about some of these companies with alternative business models, because they're nice to talk about, but people aren't actually um, using them the way that we think that they are. So uh, make sure that you get your facts correct on that. Okay, um, and 640, I'm gonna scroll ahead a bit. Some of these I had page markers for, some of these I didn't. Satisfaction with the home selling process. 64% um, were somewhat satisfied, 25%. Again, what deliberate process do you have to educate people and help them become more comfortable? All right, let's go to our last section here, page 121. This is the sellers. Uh, the section is home selling and real estate professionals. Very first, how did the seller find their realtor? And on this one, uh, referred by a friend or a neighbor relative, used the agent previously, internet website, so referred by a friend or neighbor, 30, 39%, keep forgetting we got listeners on, used an agent previously, 24%, personal contact by the agent, i.e., you know, you're soliciting business, telephone, email, 5% of the time, internet website, 4% of people find their, found their realtor um, via the website, and then it goes down the list from there, 95% from offline methods overall, and 68% from methods that required you to have a relationship. So um, this is very, very important where you knew somebody and as a result, you got a referral out of that. All right, let's move to 7.3 here. The number of agents contacted before selecting one to assist their home sale. How many people did they interview? 75% of people interviewed only one. This number is up. We used to talk about this being 67% of people interviewed only one agent. So being first is important. Very, very important. Even if you're getting interviews and they say, I'm interviewing three agents, you don't want to be last. You want to be first. They might grow tired of the process and they might not interview anybody else. So 70% of the time being first. Now that, this isn't like the, based on the person's experience, their skill level or anything else like that. You just had to be first. And that is absolutely critical. So 75% of the time, um, someone selected the agent. So make sure that you uh, use that stat uh, to know that you know, getting in front of people matters. This is why marketing yourself and your business is so important. You have value to give, make sure you're the first one in. Okay, uh, let's move forward to 7.6. This is the level of service provided by the real estate agent. So in the blue, this is, actually let's start with the orange. So this is the agent listed the home on the MLS and performed few, if any, services. So this is, they've used an agent, but they, they, they provided very little services. Um, and the green there is a limited set of services as requested by the seller. So the seller asked for limited services. And the blue is a broad range of services and management for most aspects of the home sale. So we'll call it full service. So orange is limited service, blue is full service. Here's what's interesting. 
with all these companies that are coming onto the marketplace, the Purple Bricks, where they're using agents to go ahead and um, do these types of things, uh, even Redfin uh, to some extent, and um, some other pieces where uh, they have a, a cap fee and then they go through and they offer uh, different services, not all the services they provide. But a limited set of services listing only on there, only 8% of the time that that happened. Now, people say that this is more prevalent, that these alternative business models are more prevalent. But it actually isn't, because since 2006, it was still 8%. So 13 years ago, or 12 years ago, 13 years ago, if I had said, hey, do you feel like there's more of these alternative business models out there? People say yes. And more agents are offering limited service. People would say yes, absolutely. Well, that's just, that's just not true at all. Uh, looking at the data, it's just not true. So uh, there's actually more realtors offering for, full service and sellers using full service than there was uh, 13 years ago. So that's the facts. Um, and, and even Redfin being the largest brokerage in the US and Purple Bricks and some of these other uh, models, um, they're just not getting any meaningful market share in any one in particular market. So even if you were to say they had 8% market share, which they don't in a lot of these places, um, it is still the vast majority of people are using full service real estate. Um, that's just the way it's going. And that trend hasn't changed for the last 13 years. You're hearing about it more because information is more readily available, but 13 years of this, um, and it's still, um, it's still very close to the same. So I find that um, absolutely fascinating. Okay. Um, last couple here. What sellers want most from a real estate agent? Not going to spend much time on this, uh, except to tell you that sellers want help marketing properties 20% of the time, or 20% of people said this is extremely important. Pricing competitively, helps on the home within a specific time frame, help find the buyer, help find a buyer for the home, help the seller find ways to fix up the property, help with the negotiation and dealing with buyers. What does your service package look like for sellers? That's the question I want you to ask yourselves. When we go on to 7-8 here, the most important factor in choosing a real estate agent uh, for the selling side, this mirrors almost what um, was on the other side, on the, on the, on the buying side, but uh, reputation of agent, agent is honest and trustworthy, agent is a friend or family member, agent's knowledge of the neighborhood, agent is caring, has a good personality, Agent commission was only 4% as listed. So have a look at this. And again, this is all about you. This is not about um, your brand, your firm, things like that. It's all about your individual characteristics. So this is about your personal brand. Um, I absolutely love this because, uh, again, it's something that we focus on so much. 711 is one that's going to talk to negotiating the commission rate or fee with the real estate agent. So people talk about, you know, are, are people negotiating? Well, or how does this work? Well, 40% of the time, the real estate agent initiated the discussion about compensation. 21% of the time, the client brought up the topic and the agent was able and willing to negotiate their fee. So 21% of the time, one in five. 6% of the time, the client brought up the topic and the agent was unwilling and unable to negotiate their commissioner fee. And 11% of the time, the, the client didn't know the commissions and fee were negotiable. 15% of the time, the client did not know commissions and fees. Oh, sorry. 11% of the time, the client did know commissions and fee were negotiable, but didn't bring up the topic. 15% of the time, the client didn't know the commissions were negotiable. So 47% of the time, the real estate agent brought up the, um, the compensation. Here's my note on this one. Are you, under what circumstances would you 
negotiate and have an alternative uh, compensation model for buyers. I know there's a lot of instructors out there and a lot of realtors are just like, I don't negotiate commissions. My simple answer is no, I'm a full fee realtor and it's great to be able to understand your value. But what if someone had five properties to buy and sell? Would you negotiate your commissions then? Is that something you would look at? What if they were gonna buy and sell from you? Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. I don't know. What if they have a long-term relationship with you? Which of this is their, their fifth transaction with you? Would you or wouldn't you? You don't have to. I'm just asking these questions and I want you to plant a seed that I want you to make a business decision. I don't want you to be indoctrinated in your head about whether or not you should uh, negotiate commissions or not or things like that. I want you to make business decisions out there. Uh, maybe the reason it is, maybe the reason it wasn't. I'll tell you, I offered uh, a discount in commissions under two circumstances and I told them that right up front. I brought it up and I said in two ways you're going to save some money. Number one, if you buy a house through me. And number two, if I'm also the realtor that bought, brings the seller, or sorry, the realtor that brings the buyer to the property. So I'm taking both sides of the transaction. Um, I'll, I'll give you a break on that as well. And I just want you guys to know that those are two cases and if those two manifest themselves then they'd be getting a discount. And so they felt like they were getting something right out of the gates and something that worked for me. And obviously if the person did have multiple properties to sell, I'd make it work that way as well. So um, those are ways to do it. I do recommend that you have a, a thought about this under the circumstances that you wouldn't educate the person. When do you or do you not um, offer very um, variable commission rates? So, so something to think about, but I, I don't like the people that sort of blindly just say, I never cut my commissions. That doesn't work for me. It's not realistic um, because if someone did say I got multiple properties or things like that, then I think those are all valid reasons to do it. I always recommend you have a very specific reason for doing it and not just because someone you know, wants a discount. That's when you start becoming uh, viewed as your services aren't that valuable. So make sure that you have a very deliberate um, planned reason for it. All right, second last one. Would the seller use the real estate agent again or recommend it to others? Definitely 17%, probably 16%. Um, again, we're looking at 86% uh, of people said that they would um, probably, um, whereas again, or they would refer you again, or sorry, use you again. So 86% of people said they'd probably use you again, yet 24% actually did. So stay in the business and keep in touch are my two uh, pieces on that. And the very last piece here, this is very similar with the buyers. How many times did the seller recommend the agent? And again, this is, the numbers are exciting here. It, it, what's more interesting about this is that four more times as a recommendation was 18% for uh, buyers, 21% for sellers, which means that more sellers, more of your selling clients will recommend you four more times than buying clients. There's so many reasons in this business to focus on getting listing inventory and uh, using that as key. This is, this is a, a good piece of it because there's so many more ancillary opportunities um, from this. And, and again, uh, making sure you have an active referral program is critical. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the report uh, in a nutshell. There's a bunch of information. Obviously, there's 150 pages of this. There's tons that I didn't go through. So again, if you're with CIR, you want to find that report. It's in the What You Need to Know section uh, of your virtual office. It's called the 2018 um, NAR Profile of Buyers and Sellers. Uh, if you are not with CIR, you can go to NAR's website. Um, I think it's NAR.com or uh, I believe so, or NAR.org, NAR, Google National Association of Realtors, and you'll find the report on there. It's about $200 US, 
and you can pick up the full report. But this is invaluable for your business. I literally use this as a barometer about where should we should be focusing some of our marketing efforts as a brokerage and where to um, you know, work and what resources to provide realtors, things like that. So um, I highly, highly recommend this. I hope you guys enjoyed today's CIR Business Mastery. Uh, you can find this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, it's available. And um, follow us uh, at CIR or visit CIRbusinessmastery.com um, or uh, follow us on Facebook or like us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook. That's it. Hope you guys have an awesome day and we'll talk to you soon.